Hey, teacher friends. Welcome to the Teaching with Haley podcast, where we believe relationships matter. Research shows that positive relationships greatly impact student engagement and their learning. Each week, I'll share a few simple ways to improve your classroom community, build social-emotional learning into your day, and strengthen your relationships. I'm your host, Haley O'Connor. Hey friends, welcome back. Today we are going to be talking all about social-emotional learning. We're going to get a little bit more into the research behind it and what that actually looks like in your classroom. SEL stands for Social Emotional Learning. And if you listened last week, you know that that's a huge passion of mine. And I'm glad that it's becoming more of a talking point for schools and for teachers and even some educational leaders. I think people in our country are starting to realize that kids need this instruction and ultimately so do grownups. And hopefully if we provide this when they're young, things will be a little bit easier as they grow up. So when we're talking about SEL, that is basically anything we're going to do in the classroom that helps kids learn about themselves, handle their emotions, interact with others in our classrooms, in their families, and in communities. So it's a lot of what you do already that is not academics. The difference is, I think most of us throughout the day, we're kind of putting out fires, we're helping kids maybe apologize, we're talking about tattling, we might be doing some read-alouds to build on these skills. But I actually want to talk to you more about how to be more proactive and how we can give lessons and instructions so that hopefully some of those little fires won't pop up. Just like in math, we don't have our kids just start working on something until we've actually taught them. There might be some modeling. We might make an anchor chart. That's how we are going to view this and shift our focus a little bit so that we can talk about what are lessons we can provide for our kids? What is the language we can use to help them interact and help our day ultimately go more smoothly? There's a lot of research that's coming out and it's all positive. It's going to be a hard thing to find research online that says this isn't a good use of your time or even the district's money. Specifically, though, I do have a few statistics that I thought were super interesting. They all come from CASEL, which stands for the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning. You can find them at CASEL.org. It actually might be CASEL. I'm not sure. Now that I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, it's probably CASEL. But their research shows that 93% of teachers say that we do not focus on this enough. So I already knew that. I think most teachers knew that, but that's significant. And it's something we should remember and collaboratively as teachers start pushing back and saying, we know this is what's best for kids. We need the time and the resources to do this. It's also interesting because 86% of parents think the same thing. So that statistic surprised me a little bit. Most of the parents that I've talked with, you know, that I've had conferences with, even my friends that have kids, they're always appreciative when they know that these lessons are going on and they might have some questions about it in parent conferences. But I don't think parents really know how to advocate for their kids in this way. And I think as teachers, we have degrees, we understand how kids' brains work, but we are still learning how to do this effectively every day. So we have a lot of parents that they are struggling right along with us and they know this is important. And I think in a lot of cases, they're looking to the school to say, how do I do this? And then I will do it at home. Once again, just like academics, they lean on us 
to know how to teach their kid how to sound out words. And then they're going to do a great job practicing it. And the homework, they just need us as teachers, counselors, administrators to be leaders in that and help support them as they take this learning home. The rest of the research revolves around what lasting impacts this has for kids. I found quite a few studies that showed that SEL instruction, even in kindergarten, impacts kids up to 18 years later. So I hope that if you don't take anything else from this episode, you remember that you, one teacher, one year, being consistent in the way that you talk with kids, model this for kids, the lessons that you do will impact them. If they're five and it impacts them for 18 years, they're going to be 23. They're going to be out of college. And these skills are still going to be in the back of their mind as they go to It might be find a job, interviewing, interacting with their future spouses, handling family drama, building their confidence so they feel comfortable going to an interview. You can see how when we teach a lesson on leadership to a first grader, hopefully that's going to carry them through. And when they are 19 years old interviewing for a manager job at the restaurant they work at, it might not be like, oh, I remember when Miss O'Connor taught me this but there are fragments of that lesson still in their brain. The research also says that for every dollar a district spends, they are going to save $11 in future costs. So that can be things like discipline, detention, extra staff. And that is huge. I know for most districts, it all comes down to finances. And so being able to show them, hey, this actually benefits you financially is a huge win for us as teachers. The next statistic I want to share with you to me is a little bit muddy. It does say that kids who receive consistent social-emotional instruction are less likely to be incarcerated and less likely to receive government assistance. So for me, I'm thinking like, wow, that's crazy. That's super cool. But I also recognize that it's not that simple and different communities are targeted so much more. And so to me, there's not a direct link because it's not that black and white. But a lot of research is coming out and saying that there is. So maybe I'm wrong. But again, the thing I want to remind you is that you make a difference. One year in your classroom can really impact your kids for a really long time. When we think about schools that are able to implement this from K through five, how much more is that going to impact our kids? Hopefully in a few years, this is more mainstream. But if you have a district giving your kids this instruction from K through 12, that carries them way into their adulthood, the skills that they need to be successful in life and to be emotionally and mentally healthy. Social emotional learning is broken down into five categories. I actually have 20 different units that I have broken skills apart and written lesson plans for teachers. But to me, they didn't all fit like perfectly into one category. A lot of them, when we're talking about these skills, they don't always fit in one bucket because they're so big and so complicated. But there are five major areas that typically researchers say that SEL falls into. The first one is self-awareness. That one's pretty self-explanatory. But I actually think for a lot of grown-ups, this one is probably one of the hardest. That's where we're going to find our self-confidence, our self-worth, identify the emotions that we're having. I know for kids, it's really hard to help them identify it because they're just going to say, well, I'm sad. Okay, well, are you disappointed? 
Are you angry? A lot of times for kids, all negative emotions are sad and all good emotions are excited, but it's more complicated than that. But I actually think as grownups, we don't always recognize I'm feeling anxious. All of a sudden, we're just like frantically running around the house or our partner is like, oh, you're a little snippy with me. What's going on? But we don't always identify that we're feeling anxious. So self-awareness is going to be helping kids identify what's really going on in their hearts and their minds. Who are they? What do they bring to the table? So it's a really, really important skill for them to have. The second one is self-management. And I think this one, as teachers, we're like, oh, yeah, they really need to learn to manage themselves, manage their pencils and manage their hands. But that one is important. So self-management is when we talk about helping kids have self-control and manage their stress and just kind of manage their hearts and their minds and their bodies. When we're talking about young learners, a lot of that comes down to handling their temper, keeping their hands to themselves. But like I said, it's fluid. It's not like teaching kids to keep their hands to themselves is only self-management, but that is a good example. The third one is responsible decision-making, which is where we're going to have, obviously, responsibility, but that's also where we're going to have kids learn to solve problems. First of all, identify what is the problem and then coming up with solutions. The fourth type of skill that we are going to encourage kids and help build is relationship skills, which is going to be conflict resolution, respecting each other, working as a team, compromising, listening. That one is obviously super, super important. And it's funny because you can see how these carry over into adulthood, but relationship skills is where we're going to talk about having healthy marriages, having healthy friendships, having healthy family dynamics. So you can see how these just transfer so much more than kindergarten lesson. The last one is social awareness. That's the one that I get all excited about, but it's helping kids develop compassion for others, empathy, appreciating differences, And I don't know where you are when you're listening to this, but currently it is December of 2020 and the world would be a lot, lot, lot better if people had more compassion and empathy and if we truly appreciated each other's differences, that would go a long way. So here's to 2021. Hopefully we will all develop more social awareness. Now that I've kind of talked to you about the statistics and then the five types of social emotional learning, I wanted to just hit on a few more key points. I think it can be kind of confusing because a lot of these things I'm talking about sound a lot like classroom management, and they do go together. If you have strong social-emotional instruction, hopefully you're going to have less behavior issues. But when I think of classroom management, I think more of like, how do we get in the line? How do we handle lost supplies? Where do we put our backpack? But then the social-emotional piece is going to be saying things like, hey, in a little bit, you're going to need your backpack. Where would it make sense to you to keep it so that you can be responsible for it and it's there when you need it? So a lot of the skills overlap, but we are going to teach them why and how to actually do that in a way that makes sense to them and helps them be more successful. When we have strong social-emotional instruction, we're also not going to focus as much on rewards and consequences. We're not going to talk about the class marble jar, which that's totally fine. If you have a class marble jar, good for you. It works for a ton of teachers, and I've had similar stuff. But specifically when we're talking through the SEL lens, 
there's less focus on rewards and more on the team camaraderie. And the benefit is that we get to move forward with our learning. And the benefit is that we feel good. Our minds are settled and our hearts are full. Those are going to be the rewards that we offer and that we talk about with our kids. Now, the caveat to that is you may have kids in your class that as you're working on self-control, you may have a little buddy that self-control is just not his thing and he's really struggling. So you may work with your guidance counselor or sit down with him and have a little conference and figure out that he may need a little bit more support and that might look like a token economy or a nonverbal reminder. That's an exception. There's always exceptions. But overall, when we're talking about this, we're going to move away from tangible rewards and move towards creating a culture that we're all learning together. We want to be a strong team. We care about each other. And as the teacher, I care deeply about who you are, how you feel, and what you're thinking about. I know this was kind of a lot. I just talked for 15 minutes on data, but there are a few things you can do tomorrow that I think will make this process easier for you. Like I said, we are all on different journeys. Some of us this is old hat. You're super good at this already. And I applaud you. And I'm sure that I could learn so much from you. Some of us are, you've heard of it, you've dipped your toes in a little bit, but you're not sure exactly where to go. And then there's the teachers that this is brand new for you. And I'm so glad that you're here. So if you're in any of those spots, a few things that you could do if you're not doing already, but especially if you're new, tomorrow, just start having one classroom meeting. It doesn't have to follow a specific framework. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It's just bringing your kids together and say, how was your day? What worked really well? What could we do tomorrow to make your day better? And also, how are you feeling? The very first skill you could teach kids is let's sit quietly and let's listen to our bodies. What is your heart telling you? What is your mind telling you? You don't need to have an anchor chart for that. You don't need a book for that. You just need to ask your kids and start modeling for them like, oh, gosh, my tummy feels hungry. I didn't eat a good lunch. My brain feels pretty sleepy. I didn't sleep well. Super simple. Like we're not getting into this really heavy stuff. We're just helping our kids start to recognize what's going on. And that's a great way to start a class meeting if you haven't done that before. The second thing you can do is to just continue to learn more. I have some resources on my blog, teachingwithhaley.com, that you can check out. If you're interested in starting actual lesson plans, I can help you with that. They're in my store, shophaleyoconnor.com. But if you just want to learn more about social-emotional learning, I encourage you to check out Casel or Castle, whatever you want to call it, C-A-S-E-L.org, and also the CFC, the Committee for Children. They both have awesome resources that I think will really benefit you. The third thing you can do is to find strong read-alouds in your classroom library, in your public library, in your school library that you can start using. One thing I always really try to do is if I'm pulling a book for a standard, choose one that also has a strong SEL component. Fortunately, we have so many amazing authors that are creating books. It's much easier than it used to be to find books that have a strong academic lesson, a mini lesson that you could do, but they also are going to bring in some of these really important themes like kindness, respect, responsibility, self-control. I also have a list for you on my blog. If you go to bit.ly slash H-O-S-E-L read alouds. So that's bit.ly 
It stands for Haley O'Connor SEL, H-O-S-E-L Read Alouds. There's a list for you of books you might want to consider getting. The next thing you could do is just take notes. Start looking at your kids. What is something that consistently we struggle with? Is it students losing control? A lot of classrooms, they would say it's tattling, bickering. And then just think about what's a question I could ask in a classroom meeting or how could I address this with my kids in a positive way and how can I set them up for success instead of coming down really hard, guys were tattling too much, instead of saying, if we don't tattle, we get extra recess. But back up, look at the issue from a different perspective and maybe your solution is, okay, well, they're tattling because they don't know what a big problem is and what a small problem is. So what can I say in five minutes? What's a super, super short mini lesson I can give my kids to help be proactive about the issue? And then the fifth thing you can do is join my Facebook group, Teaching with Haley and Friends, and start connecting. I am there. I'd love to connect with you. Other teachers are there. Like I said, we are all in this together. And the more teachers that stand up and say, this is important, we need to do this, hopefully the more admins and district and eventually policymakers will listen and will do what's best for kids. Today, we talked about what social emotional learning is, what does the research say, and how can you take it back to your classroom tomorrow? I can't wait to hear what you do. If you try any of these ideas, let me know. And I'm super excited to chat soon. Happy teaching. Thank you so much for joining me on Teaching with Haley. I hope you feel refreshed and ready for a new week with your students. Be sure to visit teachingwithhaley.com to find additional resources like social emotional lesson plans, positive behavior resources, and ideas for building classroom relationships. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Teaching with Haley O'Connor. While you're online, I'd love if you left me a rating on iTunes or shared this episode with a friend. Be sure to tune in every week for more simple ways to engage and connect with your students. Have a great week.